Lisa Rhodes, welcome to the Connect the Two podcast and our storyology track segment uh, feature uh, something. The part, of the, <laughs> the part of the podcast we focus on our storyology approach to to story creation. Excellent! Um, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, thanks. So, so Lisa and I, for that, for our listener, I'm just assuming there's one. Um, Lisa and I have known each other for almost 20 years now. Yeah. 20, no, no. 22. <laughs> yeah, 22. We met at a company called Sycamore Networks, where she was one of the very first sales people, and I was the um, director of PR. And uh, we had some amazing times at that company. It was one of those companies that came out like a gunshot and um, and had a real impact. And then, you know, sadly had the opposite impact when the market went south on it. But we stayed in touch, and we started working again when um, for a company that you helped found, right. Vern Global, which was, you know, still to this date, probably my favorite client. I hope my other clients aren't listening, but it's true. <laughs> um, but it was, and so what, what, why, don't you, why don't you tell our listeners what, what Vern Global was and what you saw as that opportunity when you, when you helped found that company? Yeah, Sure. Um, so I had actually just finished uh, a one-year trip around the world, and uh, I got a call from some of our former Sycamore Networks um, folks and said, hey, we have an opportunity to invest in building an Icelandic data center campus. And I said, what? <laughs> and I said, I just got back from a trip around the world and Iceland wasn't on it, probably for a reason. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about Iceland and why you want to put a data center campus there. And the answer was, there's a big gaming group of people in Iceland and they have come to us as investors and said, we need a data center campus here in Iceland versus going to London um, because our data is just our users and what we're doing with gaming is just growing at a, at a rate we didn't imagine. So it intrigued us, Lisa. Now we want you to go use your sales skills to see if you think there's something we can do in Iceland to build a data center campus. So a month later, I land on the moon uh, called Iceland, and it literally, you can attest to this, it looks like the moon when you first land. And uh, said, wow, where are we going to put an Icelandic data center here? Um, met with the investors and got increasingly more excited, basically because the, the thing that makes Iceland look like they're on the moon is the geothermal power, which, in case you don't know, is 100% green, as our one listener out there. And, <laughs> and the other thing is uh, there's a large aluminum smelting that's done in Iceland, and that is powered 100% by geothermal. So it made sense for an industry like a data center industry where you saw the rapid uh, exponential growth of data and the requirements that they have on energy to think about going to a place that had 100% renewable energy. We thought it would be a driving force for both the European um, data center market and for the U.S. data center market, because Iceland, if you don't know, is a rock that sits in the middle of those two continents. Well, and also they just had the report that the EPA put in that, put out that said 
that the data centers were the number two contributors to cart to greenhouse emissions following the airline industry. Yeah, that came out like a year after we started with this idea. But we yeah. we were watching the trends, you know, being the the first executive hired at the company, I was having to spend a lot of time looking at the trends and try to build a go-to-market um, strategy for the company. And once that report came out, that's when I found you because I was like, okay, there's a lot of storytelling yeah. uh, that we should be giving to the media because not only did, you know, the, the everybody knew what the data center market was, but nobody had ever thought about using green power really um, nobody had thought about Iceland as an ideal location. So we had a lot of selling to do, if you will, just on those two things alone. Forget the the ins and outs of the, the mechanics of the data center. Well, I think what's interesting too, so when we came in, we first came in to do some media training. And I think what, and the first thing that was apparent was that everyone was on the same page for the message. Oh, so true. Um, yeah, and I, and that was Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, the the we could probably have half hour conversations about ten different times within our engagement, our decade long engagement with you and and Vern that fit the storyology mythology, mythology methodology. It's not a myth. It's yeah, real. I think I think the important thing that I walked away with from that job in my experience working with uh, you guys was that. This, and I think with any company that's doing their job, a story is full of chapters and each chapter builds on the the previous one. And so, so so many companies write a chapter and they don't write a story. And what you and I realized really early on was, well, wait a minute, this could be an encyclopedia. Forget one book. (laughs) There's going to be volumes. volumes. Yeah. I mean, we're having a 20 minute discussion today and we could probably do parts two, three and four if we get more than one listener. Yeah. Well, (laughs) just even like one of the first challenges we there, there, I mean, just to quickly do a couple snapshots so we can come back to explore in other episodes is one of the quick things we had to to address was that there was a lot of excitement within Iceland about the data center industry coming, um, which they were incredibly supportive and helpful as we grew our programs, but they didn't understand how long it took to build one. So one of the first things we did is we invited local press out there to say, to tour the facility and say, look, and here's where this goes and here's how this goes. And everyone's like, oh, this takes about 18 months to build. Yeah, this is exactly right, Rich. And that's a good thing to remember is that when you start a business in a place that's never seen this kind of industry before, you have to sell the locals because you want to get them to come work for you. You've got to sell the government because you've got to get them to agree to taxation, VAT, uh, you know, exemptions, all kinds of things, power pricing at an industry level that's not smelter, you know, all, all kinds of intricacies. But in reality, the largest data center that was in Iceland at the time, I think was the equivalent of a 10 by 10 room with right. maybe two racks. Right. So, and here we are building a 200,000 square metered campus if it built out completely, right? So. Well, ten, initially 10 megawatts, right? Yes. Yep. So, so, there, so again, we could have other stories about how when the volcano went off and we actually turned that into an all opportunity. All our black swan moments, you mean? Exactly. Yes, all the whole... 
Oh, it's that call. Um, the, but what I want to talk specifically, because it is one of the things I'm most proud of um, in terms of the accomplishments of the agency, um, is, is the, the creation of the, what became the Mind the Gap campaign. Yes. So why don't you tell our listener and their friends, because <laughs> they have lots of friends, um, how, how, what was the challenge we were facing? Like, what was the pro- what was, Where was the disconnect that we need to find something, a new approach for, to, to attack or to close? Well, yeah, I think there were probably a couple of things. One was there was a really um, overlooked view of what the trend was in data storage, right? And what was going on with the consumption of energy to the trajectory of data storage. And thus, there was a huge gap. And, and that's what got us to name it, Mind the Gap, right? People were, no, it, intellectually, we hadn't, uh, none of us, uh, PR, the company, reporters, none of us really had tied the intersection point of power um, consumption and, inter- and, and data storage together. And what did that mean? What did that mean to uh, the ecosystem? What did that mean to the, the TCO of the data center? Um, what did that mean to um, even risk management of right. your business? Well, and that's a big part of it, right? Because a lot of people, well, people most, traditionally people will not make fundamental changes unless they perceive the risk to be greater than if they don't. Yes. And I Absolutely. think that's the, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, we had lots of coverage and lots of reporter interest on an ongoing basis about Vern's story because of the carbon neutral aspect, because it was hundred percent green with hydroelectric and geothermal, geothermal power. Yeah. Like, you know, I think we probably, by the time we did mind the gap, we probably had had two or three press trips to Iceland and, Easy. Easy. and, you know, we had time magazine there. We had, the New York Times there. We had all the data center press, most yeah, of the tech press. You there multiple times. Multiple times. We had, we actually even did the one, did a trip with the, with um, the, the film press because of the visual effects studio. Yes. Right. And, and all. And all, the radio show. We had to stop oh, through the, the oh, snow. <laughs> Remember when the dog got out at the, um, yeah. <laughs> did it chase a dog through a lava field? Yeah. That was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, um, the it wasn't an active lot of field. There was really no risk. It just was ankle breaking. Not we, what we were doing was we were we were releasing pressure from one of the power valves at the um, hydroelectric plant, or no, the geothermal, geothermal plant. plant. And they with they they opened the valve, and you can't even imagine how loud that is. Think of being in an auditorium with 10 jet engines going off. Yeah, it's a <laughs> muscle times a million. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And what did they tell us? The, the six seconds that thing was open could have powered like Los Angeles or some crazy yeah, thing. For, for a day, right? It's, yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think, and I think, so lots of great coverage, lots of people like the story. The challenge is we weren't really getting to the risk factor. We weren't really presenting the story in a way that said, yeah, yeah. It, it, this isn't really about being. Y- yes, it's important to be green because it's better for the planet, but it's also important for your business because you are at greater risk from continuing to leverage power grids that don't have room to grow. Right. right? And a, a trigger for that were two things. I think. I think one was 
But in the UK, they said there was 2% availability and they were telling retail stores like Macy's, I don't Macy's, but Harrods to, to turn off power at night. And then and we had the New York City power grid go out in right, that time frame as well. Well, and there was also the study from the, the American Society of Civil Engineers, I think that's right, that gave the U.S. power grid a D plus. Yes. And that, that, was the, that was actually the impetus yes. for getting this report done. And, and I don't remember which of us saw that, but we sent the other person said, All right, we got to talk about this. So I don't remember if it was we got we met in Los Angeles or we met in Miami. Um, but I think there were cocktails involved, which is why we call this storyology because it's like mixology. <laughs> um, and we said, what can we do with this? And, I, and so, so what, maybe walk our listener and his friends or her friends through what we decided to do. So we decided, I, I had met and, and so had Rich, a, a contributing reporter to Forbes magazine, who is an energy specialist. His name is Peter Kelly Detwell. And Peter and I had had such an engaging conversation. I was just overwhelmed by his just knowledge and understanding of the very gap that you and I were having the light bulb moment over. And what he didn't know was the exponential growth in a data center. He'd never been in a data center, wasn't really familiar with how big of a consumer of power a data center could be. He knew about aluminum smelters because they were number one, but he hadn't thought about a data center. So, you know, long and short is we went to him and we said, we need a report that talks about power resourcing, the reliability of power grids in the U.S. and in Europe, um, and what are, you know, any latency resiliency issues around the current power grids because those led to the risk factors that our customers would take interest in. Right, because there was a disconnect to me. What we first saw when we talked about this was there was a disconnect between all these companies and the people who work at companies that were wanting to leverage high-performance computing or machine learning or AI. And like, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it. And they're having those conversations completely disconnected from the other part of their team that ran the here's, data. Here's one, something that's really Assets. funny to me now. Sorry to interrupt. But no, um, not only were we seeing that, but the data center, the early adopters, so pay attention to this, our one listener out there, the early adopters were Bitcoin <laughs> miners to come to Iceland because they were having power issues. They were having issues finding data centers that could do dense enough racks for the miners that they wanted to put in those racks, right? Um, Because they were using the highest grade CPUs and they were going all over the globe looking for resilient, low cost and green power, frankly. They were kind of the leaders on that. Well, and they didn't have some of the concerns of a traditional data center because they didn't care so much about the latency because if it went down for a second just exactly. started mining again. Exactly. So so they so they were hundred percent interested in the scalable power. They liked the green aspect because it gave them yeah. cachet. But it but they really were looking for we can have we have as much I mean even I don't know what it is today, but when we were working on it, they were only tapping into ten percent of the available yeah. grid. And imagine today what right. it must so, be because I mean, yeah. when China shut down the miners, they all had to go somewhere. 
So, and they were all looking for green power because now green power is the trend. When you and I were doing this, green power was a nice to have, and oh, if I can get my green credits and blah, blah, blah. But now it's a reality. Oh, yeah. It's a, it, it, it is a, yes, it is yeah. a corporate mandate. And I think, so what we wanted to do was, we said, so there's, we've got to force a conversation between our customers, between the person that wants highly power, power intensive compute and the data center operators where they say, hold on, we can't do that here because it will take 18 months to get 18 months to get new power. There really isn't the capacity in this area or country to add additional capacity because they weren't building more dams. They weren't building more nuclear plants. They weren't building more coal or, right. They weren't, they couldn't build more energy right. supplies. I need to look at Iceland because it is abundant, it is renewable, and it is scalable based on just how successful these guys are going to be with their HPC, their their machine learning, their AI-driven compute yeah. models. Um, and we knew to do that, we yeah. needed data. And, and there was nothing, like we spent probably two months looking for someone that had written about this just so we didn't try to read I remember yeah. when I first approached uh, Peter about um, writing this paper for us, he was like, ah, well, I don't even know what a data center really is, kind of, right? right? And we huddled in New York City on this one, you, me, Peter, and uh, another marketing person that we had on the t- team, Adam, and Joyce, uh, another PR person. And it took us two days ourselves living in it, you know, kind of yeah. un, un, uh, undoing our own story in our own heads to get to the story right. that became a book for our customers. And I think it's relative even more today than it was when we wrote this paper in 2015. Well, that's that's actually a really good point because I think part of the challenge we had, I know I had, is I was so ingrained in the story we were telling that I had to let go of that and let this evolve that needed to so it could become a new story because we really were running out of room yeah. on the old story. Like we knew that. We knew that we we can't. There's nothing else. I we still can remember say. getting you guys all in that room and saying what I wanted. Everybody looked mm-hmm. at me like I was nuts. I'm like, no, take off your blinders. Let's do some three box thinking yeah. here. We have to think yeah. from the customer backwards rather than from us forward. And right, right. And I and I remember saying to Peter, um, Peter, this is our thesis. But if you prove it's not true, yeah, that's okay. Absolutely. And you did say that very clearly. Because I think we he, he was cornered to feel like, well, what if I can't come up with data that proves this? And we said, that's all right, you know? Um, yeah. But the beauty is, not only did he prove it for that day, he's proven it through today, including probably the next five to 10 years. Well, but interesting, like I remember, like, just to get to that point before we got to the product that really changed every changed every conversation Vern had for the next at least five years was we were probably reading the third draft and you and I were both, it wasn't it, wasn't it. And I think I woke up in the middle of the night and I called you ungodly early hour and said, I know what's wrong. And you said, I think I know what's wrong too. And I said, I think he's trying to write the paper Convince the energy people that are yes. a data problem, and you said 
right, we need to convince the data people there's an energy problem. I yeah. said, exactly. And, and as soon as we told him that, the next yeah. draft was done. He, he, he kicked he it out. Great partner. Can't speak nothing but, you know, high regard for his work and for his ethics and for his quality yeah. research, because it took a lot of research to do this paper. It did. I mean, luckily, a lot of it was, so he had an interview, he did interviews, but a lot of it too was, he was able to map the growth in, in data, intense compute data applications to show a curve of when there would, when you would cross the chasm and there just wouldn't be. Exactly. Out. I think one of the last planning sessions we had at my house, when the now uh, CEO of Vern Global was there, you know, we said, you don't want to, you, you, you want to do a horizontal cut across all the industries and you want to base it on high performance compute, the density that's going to be required of those racks because of that high density compute that leads to the power supply that leads to the gap of what's going on. Right. And instead of going vertically by industry, naturally you're going to get those industries if you go horizontally across them with that high performance compute message. Right. Because then it becomes, then you're, yes, because I think that was one of the challenges the company had. It was so focused on certain industries. It was ignoring low hanging fruit from similar groups at other industries that were trying to leverage the exactly. same type of technology. Exactly. And you can see today so, that they seem to have gotten that message um, and they're changing it to what we had originally, you know, Kind of forecasted for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you, so then, so we, we got the report. So then why don't you tell um, our friend and his listeners, thousands of friends, um, what we did, what happened next, like how that, it became such a critical part of the, of the story and then how that story was shared, like all the different ways we shared, we're able to share that story. Oh my God. You're probably going to have to remind me of some of them because it, it was like we took the top off a question everybody didn't know they needed to ask themselves, but once they asked themselves it, they realized this is exactly what I've been trying to figure out, right? And um, and that wasn't just from a media perspective. That was actually also from a customer perspective. So it resonated as we got it out in mainstream media. I mean, remember that front page story in the USA Today um, on the business? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, oh, oh, yeah, I absolutely remember that because I'm like, uh, USA Today wants yeah. to write about this. Um, uh, okay. Uh, USA Today wants to write about an Icelandic data center. It, it was amazing. And their whole point of their stories, well, in this case, they covered what was going on with Bitcoin and then tied it to the disconnect with, um, you know, what was going on with power consumption and how much uh, power was consumed by a Bitcoin miner. So they were early on that story, too, because today that's super relevant. But as we went out and did trade shows, we were getting inbound requests for probably, I mean, at a higher volume than we'd ever had before for interest in the campus. And that paper was reaching a lot of hands, mainly because the media was pointing to it. And I think that that's huge. And I think that, so I think a couple of things with that, I think the paper was written and the way we were able to have the, bring that paper and the associated story to the media that, and the different levels of media we took it to, that it was a story that resonated and then the white paper was consumed 
by potential customers at almost yeah, every level. Absolutely. Right. So, so the CEO was interested, and then the data center folks were interested, and the HPC people were interested, and then the so there was there was no the, the if you look at a traditional sales funnel, the common objections were a lot of times um, already addressed because everyone bought you know agreed yeah. with the premise. Yeah, but. Uh, and, we, and we would have people come up at trade shows with the white paper in their hand and say, we yeah. need to talk about it this. Was, it was um, quite re- rewarding, you know, that. And I, I'm going to do a plug for something else that we did very effectively, which was Green Data Center News. Um, because we were, oh, gosh. Yeah. we were able to, you know, circulate the message over and over again to our subscribers, which, I mean, for a newsletter, we had over 2,000 subscribers and we had a 40% open rate every single day. That's unheard of. You know, when marketing people listen to that metric, they're going to say, she's not remembering it right. No, I'm remembering it because it was so different from anything else. So just a, just a little uh, tidbit. So, our good friend Bob Mannion, yeah. So he he was we hired him as the editor of Green Data Center News, and he thrived and loved it. And he actually just joined yesterday, um, Connect Two full time. I our love that. Content. So here we are yeah. in a full circle moment because we yes. we were taught th- this is all about content creation in a story format that reaches not just one particular person, but a broad audience in a target market, right? So you can write the best spy story on the planet, but if you're only writing it for spies, you're only going to get a spy audience. We wrote a story that crossed the CEO's desk, the CFO's desk, the chief risk officer's desk, the data center manager's office, the CIO's office. I mean, how many times in our careers have we been able to hit that many targets with one piece of content? Well, I think what was so powerful for us from a story creation, a story mixology um, perspective in terms of approaching different reporters like USA Today is that the content was so rich, we were able to take out components that were, we knew would be of specific interest to reporters at business publications at environmental publications, at very technical publications that cover HPC and gaming or, or Bitcoin, um, and as well as um, anyone in the, yeah. the value chain. And and then the, then once we gave the paper to them, they saw just the they saw how rich the yeah. story was, right? So what it was, you know, if you're looking at, we were trying to make, we were trying to make um, margaritas. It right, was tequila, right? Right. Like everyone got to put their own little bit of uh, margarita mix or their own choice yeah. of limes. I should choose should, should, should a different <laughs> drink. It worked. We'll go over here. Um, but it was, you know, everyone got to make a heck of a yeah, margarita. It was great. It, you know, that was yeah. probably the most rewarding thing besides Green Data Center News that I did in my tenure there. Um, and what I love about it is it's everlasting. I Every now and then yes. I'll see something from the company. And now that they've been acquired and the new company is finally getting the second cable, undersea cable, to Iceland, this is just going to really bring into full scope, mind the gap, 
and a solution. So I think it's only upwards for the new um, Vern Global, if you will, um, after its acquisition. And I'm proud to say that you and I created the long lasting message that's still being carried forward. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. It just is, I look back at that, that specific, and, and of a decade of working on that project with you, we did lots of really fun, interesting things that are all part of the, the things I reminisce about most. But that is a singular thing where I, I, you know, that we saw there was a problem, there's a disconnect, and we need to do something creative to find a way to, to, to connect that disconnect and, and just the success we had with that because the people involved, because the, the creativity involved, because of the, the effort involved, it really worked on all levels. And I think and, just a, a plug for you and your team is, you know, from my vantage point as the person who was effectively running marketing and PR, it was really important that I engaged with a, a company, a firm that wasn't afraid to turn a traditional box on its side because I continually push that of you guys. And I realized sometimes it was like, what? Why? why? <laughs> he must have had an all-nighter last night. <laughs> yeah, too many of those damn margaritas. But the reality is it was such an off the mainstream decision to build a campus in Iceland for data centers that we couldn't take the traditional route. We couldn't just go to the industry and we couldn't just say, oh, you can get this much power at this much price in a cage or in a room or whatever. It wasn't about that. It wasn't about the operations of a data center, which in the US and in the UK markets in particular, they're selling just space and power. We had to go way beyond that space and power story. And so if you're in charge of marketing and PR for a company that is starting a new industry or needing to look for a, a, a refresh on an old one, you got to pair with a firm who's willing to do what you guys did, which was completely shed yourselves of what you knew in terms of the story you wanted to tell, not in terms of what you knew of how to get the story out there. You know what I mean? I do, and I appreciate that. I, I'll tell you, it, when, when prospects ask us to send them case studies, I always send this one. And I had a person push back and say, that case study is seven years old. I'm like, tell me, tell me you, in the last seven years, you've seen someone do that. Yeah. Like, I will share that for the rest of my career because I don't care if it was 20 years ago. It, it was, everything yeah. went right on it. Right. And it was the right idea. It was the right team. It was the right guidance from you. It was the right market um, moment. Yeah. Right. There were so many things. And, you know, one thing we didn't talk about is so we talked a lot about risk. The thing that the data center people thought was that moving to Iceland because they couldn't walk to it yeah. was the risk. So we had to give them a bitter, a bigger risk yeah. to fear. And that's what well, we did and then the other risk they thought was the volcano, which gave them the geothermal power, yet they would have no hesitation to put themselves in front of a volcano in the state of Washington. So I remember the faces on yeah. several prospects in the media when they threw that FUD back at us and you go, okay, but you have a major data center campus in the state of Washington at, a foot, at the foot of one of the largest active volcanoes in North America. Or you have one in Miami, which is exactly. Hurricane Central. 
or Oklahoma that has tornadoes. Yeah, or, it was right, great so to dispel like, that FUD. <laughs> yeah, that was that that was that would be another yeah, podcast exactly. about that challenge when E13 went off. Well, hey, Lisa, I want to say thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I think again, this is like one of my favorite favorite treasured projects we worked on, and and certainly I've always enjoyed working with you and and um, you know. Hey, thanks for bringing back some good memories because that was definitely at the top. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining me. And um, for our listeners, thanks for joining us for this episode of Connected To and our Storyology um, section venture something. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I got to. You got to work on that clothes, my friend. You got to work on that clothes. I got to work on that clothes and get the right mix of things (laughs) into the story. All right, please like and subscribe on your favorite platform um, and join us when we're back next year in 2022 with a new season of Connected to Podcast. Bye.